Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, my show where I interview leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me. Now today I speak to Australian guitarist Scotty Burford, who recently broke the Guinness Book of World Records record for marathon guitar playing, playing for five days and five hours, all in the name of charity, raising money for a fantastic organisation called Musicians Making a Difference. Scotty gives us the behind the scenes rundown of that incredible effort. And uh, more than that, we talk about Scotty's career as a guitar player, carving out a living in Sydney, Australia. All right, let's get straight to my conversation with Scotty. Here we go. Scotty Burford, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. Mate, we met under strange circumstances. You, um, a few months ago, you were uh, sitting to for the longer solo guitar performance under the Guinness Book um, guidelines. Is, is that right? Is that the right title? Uh, yeah. Oh, it was. It's the longest guitar playing marathon. Okay. Yeah. Is is their title? But yeah, that, yep. that's what it was in, in essence. Yeah. Cool. Now that's like five days of guitar playing, essentially 128 hours, something like that. It was actually 125 that I went okay. for. So it's yep. five days and five hours. Wow, that's killer. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first question: Why? What? What? What inspired you to do this? Uh, look, it was actually for a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, um, that that was the primary reason. Um, yeah, a charity that uh, I, I really like their values. They're, they're, um, a charity, it's a charity called Musicians Making a Difference, mm-hmm. and they use music and other creative art forms to work with kids and help them uh, work through and express the issues that they're you know that they're facing through their life, whether it be. You know, family breakdowns, relationship breakdowns, kids working through addiction issues, anything like that. Sure, yeah. Um, I really liked what they were on about. Um, I've done a few things for charity in the past, and there's some some charities that I and and movements like Movember that I'm really passionate about. But I'm just another guy, you know, like I'm no one particularly special. And so uh, I thought, oh, if I could do something a bit crazy more people might actually take a bit of notice of what I'm going to do. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I can easily say, oh, I'll, you know, for, say, Movember. Um, I'll, I'll grow a mo for Movember. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks it's a joke because it takes me six months to get one anyway. <laughs> um, it, my facial hair grows so slowly. Uh, but, you know, and I might raise $100 or $200 or something like that, which is great, and I'm yep. not knocking those sort of efforts, but I thought I'd really like to do something a bit bigger than that. And so, yeah, this... Uh, crazy idea formed in my head about probably about 10 months ago I started kicking it around uh-huh. going what could I do that would be would, would make much more of an impact uh, and, and allow me to you know yeah do, do something better than what I normally could yeah yeah well you certainly got a lot of attention and um, yeah exposure through this for, for sure can you talk me through the yeah. guidelines how, how does it work so you got a, the old record was how many hours was the record you're breaking uh, well, um, the official record, yeah. um, and this still stands at the moment, Guinness can take quite some time to actually approve a record. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, I believe the name, I know his first name's Dave, I think his name is Brown. I believe the gentleman's name is Dave Brown. He's an Irish gentleman. He set the record in 2011 for, uh, he played for 114 hours and six minutes and maybe 30 seconds anyway okay. about yeah. that that's 114 hours we'll go with that yeah. and a little yeah. bit more um so guinness can take quite some time as well to approve a challenge um so they took about four or five months to actually get back to me to say yes this is on okay. um, when i applied for the record um i had to state what record i was hoping to beat which was dave brown's record um about 30 minutes after i got the email from um uh, from Guinness, I just did a quick search online to see if anyone else had actually attempted that yeah, in the sure. you know, previous six months. And a Canadian gentleman had two weeks earlier <laughs> just played for 124 hours and 30 okay. minutes, raising money for uh, the Canadian Cancer Council. Fantastic cause. Yeah. So, yeah, for a little bit, I thought, oh, bugger. Um, you know, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'll have to just beat him. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, so I had to had to change my starting time and ending time a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and make a few adjustments mentally. Um, I think that was sort of the hardest thing in some ways because I'd gone, okay, I could do this. Uh, I'm, I'm finishing it this time. And I had that set in my mind. That's what was going to happen. And suddenly I went, oh, I'm going for another 10 hours now. Um, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. But then I just I just adjusted my mindset, I guess, with that. Yeah, and, sure. Um, went, okay, this is how it's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. So that was the record. With their conditions, um, uh, where do we start? You, you uh, must play continuously. Um for every 60 minutes that you perform one of the ultra marathon feats for, you earn a five-minute break. That can be accrued over a period of time. Um, so basically, 22 out of every 24 hours, you're actually doing whatever. So I was playing guitar for that long. Yeah. Um, there has to be – there can be no more than a 30-second break between each song. Yep. Uh, songs can't be repeated within a four-hour period. Uh-huh, yep. Um, yeah, everything I played was documented. Uh, I had witnesses there the whole time, um, and the whole thing was videoed as well for evidence. Um, so fairly stringent uh, with, with all of that. So within that two hours across the day that I had a break, that's where I had to sleep or go to the toilet or eat or get changed. Yeah. I actually I didn't change my clothes that often during the week, to be honest, sure. which made me feel quite gross. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was tricky um, with, with all of that, managing all of that. Sure. Now, with the um, with the breaks, you got to, I think you would accrue some some time. Like if you didn't take a break every hour, you could accrue those yeah. those minutes, and then that's what I did. So uh, at the start, I I can't actually remember now. I think I like I think I started and I played for nine hours straight up without a break. Wow. Then I had a quick break. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know, like, on, on one day, I played on the Wednesday, I played for 13 hours straight um, because I was trying to get up enough time yeah. so that I could run across the road to the gym from where I was to use their shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that, that sort of thing was, was important. Yeah, um, yeah. And with, with eating and things like that as well, um, I, I actually had like a, a plate of food near me with just like snacks that I could throw in my mouth because I could do, I could eat and keep playing. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I had little things like that. That was also challenging. And I also had like a bottle of water, but I had to, uh, had to really, um, monitor how much I drank. Yeah. For example. Yeah. So I didn't want to go to the, <laughs> the bathroom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, because well, under, under the Guinness conditions as well, once you start, if you start that hour, you must do the full 60 minutes to get that five minutes. Okay. Otherwise, it doesn't count. So um, I had to make sure that I, I did that. So like on the, on the Wednesday, I, I had a couple of other challenges on, on the Wednesday morning with uh, some severe finger issues on my left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a break uh, there, which was not planned for. Um, so I used up some of my time as well. So that's why I ended up doing like playing for 13 hours straight to, um, yeah, to accrue enough time so I could have a shower, have a sleep. I didn't actually sleep for longer than 20 minutes at any stage through that, that week. Wow. Um, and some, sometimes it was like, I've got five minutes. I'm laying down for two minutes now. Please, someone just, I'm just going to put my head on a pillow. Yeah. And then someone would just pull me basically up and I'd just jump back up and start playing again. So <laughs> all of that was monitored very, very carefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, closely. And, I can't say enough about the support I had from other people, um, you know, co- people coming in, uh, but also people that were, you know, on my team. It was fantastic that they all got behind it. Yeah. So tell me that the whole event was hosted at Engadine Music. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what sort? What was your team? The, I met the night I came. I came, I think, on the Wednesday night, and. Um, or yep, I do remember that it was a Wednesday night. Yeah, or Thursday morning, <laughs> whatever yes. it was. There, was. there was a guy from Engadine. Was that Luke? Did, was that one of the yeah, guys? Yeah, Luke actually works as uh, he's he's their guitar repairer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic young guy. Um, you know, he was so supportive of the whole thing. So I think, uh, from memory, he actually stayed with me for like four days. Okay. Um, he was fantastic. So he he gave up working to be with me as much as I needed him to be there, which was just terrific. Wow. And he just got you know, yeah, just he's got the heart of a champion. That guy. Yeah, um, and he was doing stuff like he was documenting every song, and he was like counting yeah. down your thirty seconds between songs to make sure you didn't 
you know, go over when yeah. you're, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I had, there was Luke and there were, I actually, to be honest, I've, I've lost track of how many people were doing that. Um, yeah, sure. So I had people with me the whole time documenting everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Luke, Luke was probably a, a fairly obvious one mm-hmm. um, with that, but there were, uh, there were always two people doing, doing things like that with me through yeah. the whole time. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, which was you know, fantastic and I can't thank those people enough. Um, with that so uh yeah um and yeah it was yeah i do remember wednesday night when you guys came in that was actually a huge lift when uh actually when i saw michael dolce's face I yeah went, yeah oh, is, that really lifted me uh when you guys walked in then because uh, i was starting to really struggle at that point i had a terrible day uh-huh. um my fingers had actually split <laughs> earlier on in the day um and i had a massive blister on my thumb <laughs> so i had um Another guy that actually works in the store he ended up pouring uh, pouring super glue over my fingertips just to try and keep them oh, together. Oh man! So this is your fretting hand, obviously. Yeah, yeah, oh, which was sorry. really awkward. Um, and um, then I also had a really big blister on my thumb um, from just r- rubbing on the back of the neck so much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so actually, Luke cut up a sponge and he gaffered that around my thumb. Which yeah. made it really hard to play as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think when I had the super glue on my fingers, it was really awkward um, to play. Also, because I couldn't really feel the strings. Right, right. Um, and it was a, it was such a messy job. It was just like okay, I'm taking a five minute break right now. Yeah. Just start pouring super glue and hold my fingertips together because I need to. This is the only way I'm really getting through it. Um, so I just had big lumps of super glue on my fingers for a few days, which was yeah. Was wasn't ideal. Um, <laughs> it didn't stop the pain. It really hurt. Yeah. Uh, and I think by by late Thursday night, um, going into early Friday morning, I, I was really struggling with that even even more than the Wednesday night. Okay, because um, the finish line was was the finish line like Friday evening or like afternoon? Yeah, to beat the Canadian guy, um, it was around five fifteen on uh, on the Friday night. Okay. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So we finished, we we got to that, and then well, I beat him by about thirty minutes. That was sort of my goal. I thought yeah. if I'm going to get to that point, I might as well go for another thirty minutes. And actually, by then I was quite. I really picked up on the Friday afternoon. I think okay. I, I could see the home stretch and yeah, yeah, something clicked in my brain, and I went, "I'm okay now." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, going into that last little bit um, was quite good, and I actually felt really quite good that that last. Last few hours were really great. Actually, a lot of people came in from the community, and I had people coming in from the community all week as well mm-hmm. uh, to support me. Um, and, and some of my family turned up and things like that. Uh, and some of my you know, very dearest and oldest friends were there. Yeah, so awesome. that was fantastic. That really helped me kick on for the yeah. last few hours. Um, and, and I guess look, with all this too, I knew that uh, for me to have the biggest possible impact. Um, on behalf of the charity, I really had to finish. You know, if I had have gone, oh, I've done 30 hours, a few people had sponsored me by that stage, but I knew I had to get to the end to to really have the impact that I hoped for. So that was a big driving factor. Even when I was going, oh, man, I want to quit. Yeah. Uh, I knew I, I, I didn't feel I could let anyone down, and I, I thought I would have if I had have stopped, um, you know, before uh, before the end. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that'd be a, a big driver. You, you've mentioned your fingers. What's the? Was, it, was there any other physical cost um, from playing that long? Um, yeah, I found my my um, my right hand started to swell up a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, I think like uh, yeah, I, I would hate. I haven't watched the videos of very much of it at all. I would hate to hear my playing from probably Wednesday on. Um, <laughs> I think it would be awful, but um, because I, I, I play a lot of fingerstyle guitar, the first couple of days I was playing more intricate and interesting things for myself as well. So I was yeah, playing a lot yeah. of things like Tommy Emmanuel and Chet Atkins pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I used a thumb pick. And around Wednesday morning, when, when my left hand, my fretting hand, which is my left hand, started to um, you know, have some issues with splitting and everything else, yeah. I noticed that my right hand as well, From I played so much for the thumb pick for a couple of days, my thumb was starting to swell up, and it was really hard to keep it moving. Yeah. Um, 
and, and as I lost the, you know, um, yeah, lost the ability to feel the strings, I just abandoned trying to play any sort of fingerstyle pieces sure, altogether. Sure. Uh, and I think at one stage I was just I was strumming with my index finger because I couldn't really hold a pick properly anymore either. Okay. Yeah. Without dropping it, so there was that. I think um, towards the end, um, I was having some issues with cramps in my leg. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think uh, probably by about four days in, because I hadn't really eaten or uh, eaten properly for that type of period of time, I'd been eating such minimal amounts of food, and I was really monitoring my water. Um, had had a few issues with that as well, um, with just being dehydrated. Um, so I had, had to be very careful with that. Uh, and then. There are times where, to be honest, I have no idea what's happening. I've looked at the logbook and gone, I can't even remember playing these songs. I can't remember these people being there. Right. Um, so late Thursday night, um, going into it like midnight uh, and early morning, um, the guys that I was with then were really worried I was actually about to pretty much drop over and die. Right. <laughs> I'd started hallucinating because I was so tired. Yeah. Um. And there were, you know, there were signs up around the shop um, that were moving on walls and things like that and blending into each other. Okay. I remember okay. that. <laughs> Far <laughs> out, man. Yeah. And apparently at one stage, um, around 4 a.m. Friday morning, I was playing with a, a guy named Dane who I actually didn't know before that, that. He was a community member. He came in to help me mm-hmm. um, by, by just sitting there with me. And he was, he was playing and I was playing with him. Um, which was just wonderful, you know, like uh, going back to the terms and conditions, I could actually have people come in and play with me throughout the whole challenge, which was great because that gave me a lift as well. As long as I was playing, um, that's all that really mattered um, with that. So a number of people came in um, just to help me get to the end, which was fantastic. And that was one of the highlights for me really was seeing, seeing music bring people together like that. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. The um, night, um, if I can just jump in, the night I came to yeah, you, yeah. That, that Wednesday night, um, it was just a coincidence that Mike Dolce was going on the same night. We we didn't mean to arrive at the same time. Okay. But we did, it was cool. So I got to catch up with Michael, which I don't usually do. He brought a mate of his who's a great museo whose name escapes me, but met him. That was cool. Um, obviously met you when I got up for a little bit of a jam. Yep later on which was was cool well it's funny i wasn't sure if i should speak to you or not because you you were looking pretty tired this is like 2 a.m oh, yeah. and then uh we, we ended up was, having, it that, was it that late you were there i couldn't remember i think so i left it about yeah i got there at 11 i think i left it about three or four or something okay like. i don't know i can't exactly remember but um yeah we had a great conversation then you went off and had a nap and um there were some great people and i got to meet um gav moore which was super cool because Gav and I, we've known each other electronically for a while. Um, okay. You know, one of those sort of friendships and then, you know, to meet him in person. And I know he jammed with you on quite a few of those nights as well. Yeah, well, I, I can't say enough about Gav. Um, I've known Gav for a few years and he's an—he's just a beautiful man. Um, he is an absolute champion. And, you know, he, he's an a, um, engineer for Qantas. Uh, and he's on shift work there. And he came in at around 3 or 4 on Friday morning when I was really struggling. Uh-huh. And he actually talked me through a couple of hours. Um, yeah. He told me if I didn't finish, he was going to kill me, um, <laughs> you know, as, as, as mates do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, you know, I, I can't say – I'm so appreciative of, of everyone that, uh, that came in and helped. Um, but Gav in particular was a big reason why I actually finished because, yeah, Friday morning was looking pretty bad. Uh, with that sort of thing um, and apparently you know I, I was standing on my feet and I was asleep um, but still moving my hands yeah um, I was having like micro sleeps and things like that and um, someone said that well, I can't remember what song we were playing it was probably something like it was at the point where we were playing you know knocking on heaven's door <laughs> and Mustang Sally and those sorts of things with three chords that everyone knows yeah 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 um, and apparently we were playing I think it was knocking on heaven's door apparently I just I was asleep. They could. They said they could actually hear me snoring, <laughs> but my hands were still moving. <laughs> oh man, that's like um, like we've all like you're a working musician. I want to talk about yeah y- your life as a guitarist separate to this as well in in a, in a moment. But um, I mean we've all had those gigs where you feel like you're playing the songs in your sleep, but you've taken it to a whole new level. 
<laughs> it's like um, the only thing I like it, like it to you know if you're driving driving home late from a gig sometimes like this this panics I get a bit panicky with this but I'll be driving home yeah. and suddenly I'll go oh I'm 20 kilometres closer to home than I thought I was what yeah happened? yeah yeah all that road section in the last 20 minutes you know or last 20 k's or whatever I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. I've just gone on autopilot or yeah. I've I've done some gigs where um, playing it. Two, one or two in the morning, you suddenly get pretty tired and go, oh, I didn't realise we just played that song. Where did that go? Um, so, yeah, this was this was on – that was kind of that, but on a different level again. Yeah, man, I'm never complaining about four sets ever again after meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And um, what guitars were you playing? You had a few guitars hanging around when, when I saw you. Yeah, uh, the, the guitar I mostly played um, – and this wasn't necessarily the plan. There were a couple of hiccups that happened just before I was about to start. Uh-huh. So um, I've got a, I own a Martin D18, yeah. and I played that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely guitar. Um, I, ha- I also have a Cole Clark 12-string. Um, I think I only played that for a few hours on the first day, and then I went, oh, man, this is too hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I went back to play it later in the week, I was like, oh, man. And that, the particular Cole Clark that I've got, it's an amazing guitar, but the neck on it is oh, like a cricket bat. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually designed for 12 to 54 gauge strings as a 12 okay. string, so it's a yeah. very heavy, heavy guitar. Um, so if, if I play that at a gig, um, I generally won't play it for longer than one set if I've got if I've, if I've got it strung up like that. Sure, because um, it's a little bit challenging. Uh, I do play a lot of acoustic stuff at gigs, but that one I find if I play it for an hour or two, that's about enough for that guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I played that. Um, I have a Godin uh, nylon string, um, one of them um, multi-act guitars. I can never remember the, the oh, model. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a Rosewood one. Um, that's all I remember. Uh, lovely guitar as well. And I played that uh, at times because uh, the nylon string's sort of, you know, a little bit softer. Yeah. Uh, gave my fingers a bit of a break. And I played my Strat um, a little bit too. I didn't play a lot of electric though. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, through the thing. And, yeah, pro- probably the Martin D18 was the one I played the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is a yeah, lovely guitar to play. <laughs> yep, yep. Did you do anything yeah. with tuning or um, string gauge or anything to make it a little easier on yourself? Um, I had the Martin. I, I started off um, – I'd actually done gigs um, sort of three nights before coming into it, and I'd put some new strings on uh, on the Martin – um, on the on the Thursday afternoon. Okay, yeah. And so I'm going to start on. I started playing that on the on the Sunday, um, and I played that for about a day, and then I actually got someone else to restring it to tens. I normally have twelve to fifty fifty fours. I think would be on there. Okay, yep, yep. Um, and I had someone restring it, and I, I put tens on actually as my fingers started to get a bit sore. Um. I also, I think with the electric, I left that. I normally use ten to ten forty six gauge on the strap. Didn't change that. Uh, the nylon strings uh, on the Godin, I actually had um, the lowest tension classical guitar strings you can get. Okay. Yep. Um, which I, I, once again, I would not normally play those things if I was doing a gig or, or recording. It was just let me get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, another guitar I did have, but I didn't play it that much either, was uh, my Les Paul, which I play slide on. Oh yeah, I've got yeah. that set up for playing slides. So I thought I did have that a, t- a couple of times where I thought, okay, I can give my fingers a break, and I've just got to hold the slide. Yeah. Um, so I was playing with a few people, doing some songs where I was just just playing that, which that helped my hand have a bit of a rest. Yeah, um, sure. Obviously, with just the slide. So yeah, I played that one, but I didn't play that one very much uh-huh. from memory. Yeah. But I could be lying because <laughs> I can't remember remember periods of it. So, oh man, yeah. the um, especially as the event went on, um, you, you seemed to pick up a lot of interest through the different media. There was, um, I know ABC Radio got in on it. Some of the yep. the mainstream, you know, commercial radio stations. Um, I saw you on the project on Channel Ten and yeah, um, stuff like that. Guitar Play Magazine. Uh, lo- actually, a lot of once you'd finished, a lot of. Um, so these big international players were were um, were sharing posts and things uh, about you as well. Um, yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about conducting interviews as you're as you're trying to play and, and that kind of thing. Uh, look, some of that was hard. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I must say, uh, Lindsay Lindsay McDougall, 
from the ABC slash Friends or Rom. Yeah, yeah. Was a huge supporter, mm-hmm. and he's just another champion of a guy. Um, he, he was he was wonderful. Uh, he really got behind it. He, he came in, uh, I think, three times during the week actually. Yeah. Uh, so he played. He came in on Thursday night and played with me for hours. But he'd been in there on Sunday, and he came in another time. Right, and, and we played a few things together um, for an ABC radio show. Um, so yeah, um, I had I did a few interviews when I was still playing, and someone was just holding a phone up to me. Yeah, um, so I could talk. Uh, I had <laughs> there was a local federal politician that I didn't know even existed <laughs> before then. Uh, he was trying to weasel his way in on the whole thing. Um, yeah. And they kept on, he and his advisors kept on trying to tell me to stop, you know, can I have a break so we can have photos and do an interview with you for our newsletter for right. what's happening in Southern Shire. Yeah. And I was like, no, I can't give you five minutes, guys. Please stop talking to me. I actually ended up having people um, would trying to get them away from me. Right, wow. Um, because they were, they were pestering me so much. Okay. <laughs> uh, at one stage. Um yeah, uh, but yeah, afterwards, I, I was amazed. Um, I, obviously, I, I didn't really see anything that was happening during that week um, with, with that. I knew the ABC would, had been very supportive, and I'd been in uh, been in the ABC on the um, the Friday before I started um, with Robbie Buck and Lindy Harmer. Oh, okay, yeah, um, the morning show, cool. Yeah, they actually got me to play for two hours long, continuously while they talked uh, over the top <laughs> of my playing, which oh, yeah. that, was, that was a great experience. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that, and um, the Illawarra Mercury, which is a, a newspaper in, in Wollongong, um, they were very supportive as well. Yeah. Um, Desiree, who's their uh, entertainment writer, was very, very supportive of the whole thing, um, and she she was wonderful in covering it. And she spoke to me afterwards as well, um, and uh, yeah, that that was I really appreciate her supporting that. Um, so that was all really good. Um, yeah, when I got home, people started messaging me, going, "We found you, we found you here, we found you there on the net." And so suddenly I found there were, you know, stories in Japan, uh, I think Finland, yeah, trying wow. to judge by the, the uh, topography. Uh, topography. Um, I couldn't read it, but apparently it was about me and there was a photo of me there, so I assumed that's what it was. Uh-huh. Um, a friend of mine was flying out from Melbourne overseas and they were in the Qantas Lounge and this, that was their lead story in the Qantas Lounge. There was this massive photo of me across their back, <laughs> you know, the, big, uh, the big TV they had. That's awesome. Um, the photo looks absolutely shocking. You know, I hadn't slept for about four days by the time someone from the ABC took the photo. Yeah. <laughs> it looks, I think I look about 110 in it. <laughs> it looks so um, yeah, so that was that was really cool. And I've had people from England um, have actually emailed me um, from the I can't think of what they're called now. Um, in Australia, there's the Australian Music Association, who are like the uh, you know, all, all the uh, the retail and wholesale music industry, their equivalent actually emailed me. Um, they'd found out about it, which was really, really great. Um, and, yeah, um, other places throughout America and, and so forth. Um, it was really cool to see uh, see myself on the Guitar Player uh, magazine website. Yeah. And on Guitar yeah. World website. That's uh, cool. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, actually, Gav was in the photo with me. Yeah. Uh, and I spoke to him afterwards. And he goes, we make it into... Um, we 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 get we make it into the you know into the guitar player uh, magazine website and we're playing a Wiggle song <laughs> <laughs> in the video they put up. Oh, that's great! That's Which, great. Yeah, we 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 actually had um, one of my cousins is a is a musician and and she's had a long history with the Wiggles when they were the cockroaches etc. Oh and, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Gav and I were playing. Um, we started getting requests from people as well, which was really cool. So someone would, someone was looking at the Facebook page and going, someone wants you to do this, someone wants you to do that. Someone requested a Wiggle song. So we took um, two, two, chugga, chugga, big red, big red car. <laughs> and I have it on good authority that, uh, that the, fields, the fields from the Wiggle, of Wiggles fame have actually watched it. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what ended up being on the... Um, on the Guitar Player magazine website. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Which was quite funny. Um, yeah. Do you remember... Yeah, no, that was... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, do you, do you remember the last song you, you uh, that got you over the line? Sorry, the last song? Yeah, what did you what did you wrap up with? Uh, we played um, Ziggy Stardust. Um, 
I'd already decided that beforehand. Okay, yep. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of really good mates that I knew I wanted to be there at the end with me. Yep. Um, Angie, who I, I work with in a duo during the week, uh, you know, all, you know, professionally. Yep. Um, we, we, we have, yeah, we have a wonderful friendship. So I really knew I wanted her to be at the very end as well. And Mike Miller, who's, um, he's actually the manager of the, of the shop and I've known him for a very long time. Okay. Um, and he's just another fantastic guy that I really admire, uh, and love very much. And I said, I want you guys to make sure you're around for the end. And when we get to the last song, I really want to play Ziggy Stardust. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I absolutely love that song. Um, you know, I thought this is, this would be a good one to, to finish on. So, I know that was the last one we did. Um, yeah, I can't tell you much else about what we played before. Then. Um, yeah. Well, it's all written down. You can you can you can look over it sometime. I can go back. I have actually got the book. Yeah. Every every minute's been documented. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. I'm, I'm sure you'll publish that one day. In the... I'll be fantastic reading. It will be. <laughs> I actually told Ange I'm going to give her the whole 125 hours as a Christmas present. 125 <laughs> hours of video as a Christmas present. Uh, oh, that's great! Actually, she was there. <laughs> yeah. She was there on the Wednesday night too for a while. Anyway, and um, she's yeah, saying yeah, she's, she's awesome, man. She's what a great singer. She is a phenomenal singer. Um, yeah, she's uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I know she's my friend and everything, but I just go. I'm so lucky to actually get to work with her. Um, and being the best seat in the house, she she is a fantastic singer. Um, and I, I've been been fortunate enough to work with some great singers. Um, and she's, I think she's the best one I've ever actually worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is good for me. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Well, man, congratulations on on that record. What's the um? So you said the Guinness um, process can take a while. Do you have any idea yeah. of where that's up to, or, or... I have yeah. no idea. Okay, so you just sort of wait for them. And, yeah, and you know what? If someone else breaks it, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, I think um, I'll look out of it. And, and the important thing is that out of it, over $10,000 was raised for the charity. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, which is fantastic. And there were so many other good things that happened with uh, seeing the, the community that was built up um, out of the event. Uh, you know, people coming in and meeting me um that were there um you know there was a an elderly lady that loved singing jazz standards and she found out that i was there mm-hmm. so she popped in the first day and sat and listened for a little while and she said do you think i could sing with you and i went you certainly can i said look if um you know you know i said if i don't know the song i don't have time to try and learn it on the spot so if you have sheet music for, for whatever you'd like to sing you're more than welcome to just pop it on the pop it on a stand get someone to bring a music stand over and put it on mm-hmm. and we'll just play it yeah, and so the next day she was back with a, uh, a book of some jazz standards. Great. So we played songs like Blue Moon and Autumn Leaves and things like that, um, which was great. Um, yeah, uh, she came back in four times, <laughs> uh, which was really good. Nice. Um, yeah, and there was, you know, I think another really special moment. There was uh, a girl that has uh, Down syndrome that turned up. Yeah. Uh, actually, on the Thursday night, she was there for a little while. Um, I'd met her mum. Uh, before that, and she came in. She's around 20 years old. She got up and she sang, um, as, it, as it was, uh, Sweet Home Avalama. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was just beautiful. That's lovely. Uh, you know, things like that, seeing people coming in, and you know, for me as a musician uh, and as a person, seeing people come together uh, and laugh and dance and smile and see new friendships formed and everything, that's one of the really – that's been a real privilege as a musician to see that. You know, on so many different levels. And sure. I think that week, that was just fantastic. Uh, you know, for, for everything that music is uh, and means to people, I think music as an agent for social change and doing a lot of good in the world is is a really powerful thing. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. You know, and I, I very much believe believe that, you know, in, in the power of music to, to, to make changes, to get people to consider things. Mm. Uh, you know, it's great to have a laugh and have fun. And I think that's wonderful. And, and in, in and of itself, that's a terrific thing. But... I think uh, you know, music can can bring so much else apart from that as well, and and I I got to witness all of that during the week, which was just fantastic. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, well, yeah, well, well done. And um, from 
from what I know of you from our brief meetings and, and what I've heard from others, you know, it wasn't about you getting your name in, in the in the record book. It was about all these other reasons, you know, especially the uh, musicians making a difference. But, um, yeah, all those other community sort of based reasons. So, yeah, good on you and um, more power to oh, you, thank man. thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, um, can we – I know there's more to you than a guy who played guitar for five days and five hours <laughs> <laughs> nonstop. Can we, can we do a little bit – on that, when when we jammed, you told me you studied at AIM um, yeah. with Chris Brooks, actually, who's been on this show as well. So in the yeah, I've known Chris for a very long time. Yeah, what what got you into guitar in the first place? Oh, look, um, I would say as a little kid, um, it would either it would have been my mum's interest in music. Mum played piano. Yeah, and uh, and and my grandfather played piano, and a lot of musicians in my family. Uh, on my mum's side. Um, as a little kid, um, my mum, I remember my mum playing Beatles and Cat Stevens records and things like that. Yeah. Nice. And the acoustic guitar, when I was about five or six, the acoustic guitar was the thing that really captured my imagination when I was you know, a little kid. Uh, I don't know why, but there was something about hearing that and going, oh, what's that? Um, and then, um, yeah, because my mum loved the Beatles so much, so, you know, I grew up listening to listening to the Beatles. Um, and it uh, hearing songs, you know, once again, the, the acoustic stuff that the Beatles did, like, you know, Yesterday or Hide Your Love Away and things like that, my mum would play those things when I was a little kid. Oh, okay. And, yeah. um, you know, I was going, oh, this sound. And so I was, I was quite obsessed with the acoustic guitar, um, as a, as a kid, and even as a teenager, uh, for a long time, I, um, you know, I kind of felt that the acoustic guitar was, was the real instrument, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of other guys came along when I was a teenager as well, uh, in the form of Joe Satriani and Steve Ray Vaughan, which quickly mm-hmm. changed all that. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's sort of where I started. It was just the sound of the, of, of the acoustic that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really know anything about it. I got a guitar when I was six and I used to, you know, pretend that I was playing with Paul McCartney or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, and that's sort of where it started. And for, for a while, I was really interested in the guitar. Um, um, I don't know how I got into guys like Bob Dylan. Um, because he wasn't really, you know, when I was a kid in the eighties, Dylan wasn't big with kids, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure, um, sure. Yeah. Uh, and same with Neil Young, Neil Young's acoustic stuff. That was another thing that I don't even know how I discovered it, but, um, I found this record called Harvest, you know, with songs like Old Man and Heart of Gold on it. Yeah. Cool. And once again, the acoustic guitar and the harmonica, that stuff really grabbed, um, and being being a kid in the eighties was was a fantastic time for music, I think. Um, and there were so many great, so many there was so much guitar and everything, yeah. and there were so many great Australian bands as well. So yeah, great. As yeah. as I came into my, uh, you know, I guess into my really formative years in, with listening and everything, there was uh, you know bands like Midnight Oil, who I absolutely love, or the Hoodoo Gurus, uh, a lot of great Australian bands, and, and then as I said, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan. I think I think when I was about thirteen. Uh, I heard Steve Ray Vaughan for the first time, uh-huh. and I was like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, and then my sister came home with uh, uh, a Cream record, um, and it was a live Cream thing, and I was like, "White Room." I go, "What's this?" Yeah. <laughs> um, this song's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of you know the, the the downhill slope into getting into electric guitar as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. But yeah, for for a long time, um, the guitar was just one thing I did. Uh, it was it was competing equally with um, a surfboard and cricket bat and footy, okay. um, yeah. you know, and bashing around with my mates and things like that. So you know, we had we had awful garage bands and everything else. But I never really thought I was going to go much further with that than that. Um, I never felt I could either. Um, I used to be very very shy as a kid, so I'd, I was reluctant to ever play in front of anyone. I remember one of the garage bands we had. Um, with some mates from school, if one of their mums ever walked in on the garage while we were playing, I would just go bright red and stop. Okay. <laughs> so she knew not if we were playing, she wasn't to ever open the door. She wasn't too lovely about it, uh, but she knew that I would just go to peace. So I'd get so embarrassed. Um, 
And then when I was uh, 16, I actually broke my broke my ankle um, playing footy um, at school, and I was on crutches for quite a while. It was a very bad break, um, and so I sort of started playing the guitar a lot more. Yeah, you know, I, I played for I started playing when I was about six, so I had a, had, a, had a guitar for about 10 years by then anyway. But when I was about yeah, I just sort of turned 16, and I broke my ankle, and then. That was the beginning of the end, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, I had had I was on crutches for about three months with that break, and so I couldn't really do much. So I was playing guitar, you know, 10, 12 hours on a Saturday and Sunday. Then and then I started getting up early before school and playing after school and everything else, and I really became quite obsessed with it. Uh, and the other things that I used to compete for at the time sort of all dropped dropped aside. Um. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of where I really started getting quite interested in. I still didn't expect to ever actually do anything with it beyond being able to play a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, as I said, I was very shy and I used to doubt myself with everything. And I still, I've really worked on myself to get past all those things. But sometimes I still, you know, still find myself walking out on stage now going, well, what am I doing here? I don't know how to play. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any songs. Um yeah, so uh, yeah, I started started taking it very very seriously then. Yeah, um, you know, and I'd, I'd had a couple of teachers, but the stuff that I was really interested in was uh, was was very hard to find teachers that knew what I wanted to do as well. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd met Tommy Emmanuel when I was fifteen. Yeah. Um, wow. Someone that because uh, Tommy was living in Sydney at the time, and because I had this love with acoustic guitar, especially. Um, and I'd lo- I, I, I really liked finger picking, um, finger picking styles, especially at that stage when I was a kid. And um, yeah, someone that I knew knew Tommy, so he said, "Okay, uh, Tommy's playing at a pub in Epping on Saturday night." Uh, he said, "Just um, I'm going to pick you up, and we're going to sneak you in, uh, and you're going to meet Tommy. You, you're watching. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get you set up, you know, just off the side of the stage. I'm going to sneak you in. I'm going to get you to meet Tommy." So we did that, which was wonderful. I met Tommy then, um, and that was a huge inspiration, going, oh, my goodness, how good is this? And I, I can only say from, from my parents, I probably found a Chet, Chet Atkins record that they'd had, which oh, I really okay, loved. okay, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, as, a, as a kid, once again. Um, but then, you know, seeing Tommy actually play that sort of stuff in front of me, that became a huge uh, inspiration and challenge. I, I want to be able to do this. Um, so, uh, yeah, from there, um, I started discovering all these, um, you know, these other players. Um, and for whatever reason, my school actually got Guitar Player Magazine, uh, had a subscription to Guitar Player Magazine in their library. Perfect. Um, which was fantastic. So good. So, oh, it was, it was great. So that's where I discovered um, players like B.B. King. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea who BB King was. It was just I saw this photo of this uh, you know African African American gentleman leaning back with a a black Gibson, and I went, oh, "That just looks awesome. He must be a phenomenal player." Um, it was very hard to you know get hold of music then. Um, like we you know we have access to anything we want now. It was really hard to do that. Yeah, so I used for to just sure. And, I'd, I'd look at these pictures in in guitar playing magazine in the school library and go, "Oh, he must be amazing. Oh, I have to find out about him." Um, so I'd take notes down, you know, I'd write these guys' names down. And then there was another player that I discovered who was Larry Carlton. Uh, there was a story in Guitar Player Magazine on Larry Carlton. And I was mm-hmm. just looking and going, he looks like a really cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I better find out about him. You know, yeah. um, just a photo of him playing. So I had no idea about Larry Carlton. I didn't know. Well, I had actually heard him play on probably quite a few tracks because of all his studio work at the time. But yeah, um, yeah it was that. And then. Yeah, there was a um, you know, mention of this guy called Joe Satriani who'd released an album called Not of This Earth. Mm-hmm. And another kid at school actually bought the record, um, like ordered it in especially as an import. Wow. I remember going around his place and listening to it going, oh, you know, it just expanded my mind. <laughs> like, wow, this is amazing. Um, you know, with that, and as I said, like, you know, my sister finding Cream and yeah, um, yeah. bringing home this Cream record and listening to that or um, Steve Ray Vaughan being played on Triple M. Um, you know, and going, wow, what's this? Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was really good. Um, but yeah, as I said, it was it was really hard to find a lot of the music. I started chasing out. Um, 
So I, I don't actually know how I discovered this, but there was a, a record shop in Paddington, um, which was a long way from where I lived. Because um, I grew up oh, in high school. I, went, I was living in Pennant Hills. Okay, so yeah. Paddington wasn't just down the road. No. Uh, uh-huh. I remember as a kid, uh, I discovered there was a shop called Folkways in Paddington. And I went in there once and I'd saved up money and I went in and I bought all these different records. So I found all these, uh, you know, early acoustic blues artists. Um, you know, there was like the Robert Johnson sort of stuff that would be most well-known for people if, if they're, you know, a casual blues listener perhaps, but a bunch of other artists as well. So I got into guys like um, uh, Big Bill Brunzi um, and, and things like that. And then it was really hard because I started buying all that stuff and I bought some finger style stuff like Chet Atkins and there were folk players. Um, Dave Van Ronk, I think, was one. Um, Stefan Grosman, who had done all these, you know, how to play guitar records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started buying all that stuff, and and from Stefan Grosman, um, I found out about players like Reverend Gary Davis and um, some of the, and John Mississippi John Hurt and all these players. Uh huh. Yeah. And um, some of it was great. With the I don't know if you've ever seen the Stefan Grosman books and records. Um, I, I remember his but, um when you talk about guitar player that totally resonates with me as well because a lot of the players yeah. that you discovered I discovered as well, and I, I knew about them well before I actually got to hear any of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you finally heard them, you, you had a little bit of a backstory sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I remember the Stefan Grosman, um, the ads in Guitar Player, the, the yeah. ads for his yeah. tuition series or whatever it was. So, again, I knew the name well before I actually heard him play. Okay, yeah. So, he um, he had all these records that he, he used to have and they came with uh, you know, transcriptions of the, the pieces. Um, and he would he would analyze he would you know notate um, performances out by these essentially blues players you know acoustic blues players that he he'd either studied with or knew personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started learning a little bit about that. Um, then there was the whole Tommy and Chet thing, and with that sort of stuff, there was no there was just nothing like we have now where you know you can jump on the net and find a, a tab yeah, of something yeah, in yeah. three seconds. There was nothing like that. So I remember once again as a kid um, getting you know, my first CD player and I got Tommy's album. Uh, is it Dare to Be Different? It's got Blue Moon on it. I can't remember. I haven't listened to it for a while. I think it is on that record, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember putting it on and driving my family nuts because <laughs> I don't know how many hours I listened to, listened to Blue Moon. Yeah. And I would sit there with the guitar and I just played it over and over and over. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to play this song. And eventually I did. Like I worked out how to do it just by sitting there and listening to Blue Moon mm. on repeat for who knows how long. Um, which dro- my sister in particular hated it. Her bedroom was <laughs> next to mine. And she would hear me put on something like Blue Moon yeah. and leave it on for hours at a time. I was trying to pick it out. I, yeah. trying, I could hear that, you know, there's a bass line and there's some chords and there's a melody and I don't know how to put it all together. Um, you know, and is it two guitars? Is it three guitars playing there? I'm not sure. Um, so eventually I worked out how to do it, you know, and Tommy used to be on like Hey Hey at Saturday quite regularly and things like that. Yeah. So I'd actually get yeah. to see, uh-huh. I used to try and, you know, record, if Tommy was on, I'd try and record it Yeah. so that I could, uh, go, okay, I'm going to watch this. I don't know how many tapes I must have you know, <laughs> worn out. <laughs> like, oh, Tommy's on tonight, and I'd play the thing over and over again trying to work out what he was doing. That's um, awesome. So that sort of started giving me a little bit of an idea about finger style technique yeah, uh, okay. as well. But it was very much hit and miss. You know, and there were things that I'd work out how to play, and then as I've, you know, I've gone to see some of these players or I've, I've had the privilege of actually meeting some of them, and I've gone, oh, you're doing it so much easier the way you do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even uh, I remember uh, I've met, been privileged enough to meet Tommy on and off quite a few times over the years. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've seen him. And I remember that, like some of his pieces, I'd try and work out from listening to the thing over and over again. And then I remember once going to see him, and he's got a capo. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, killer! But that's I mean that's yeah. that is a really exciting part of the learning process that not everyone does these days because as you said the, the the information is so much there i mean you don't even have to hunt for your record you you'll just spotify it or or whatever so there's there's definitely there's definitely something lost when you, when 
when the information is handled too easily, I think. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think uh, if I had the same hunger I had as a kid with the information that was available now, I think, wow, I'd probably be a much better player mm-hmm. because I would have had so much, but I don't know if I would have had the same hunger either. Yeah, that makes sense. yeah, right, yep, yep. Because I had to work so hard to try and find these things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and having things like, you know, the guitar, do you remember the guitar player records they used to have? Yeah, the little flexi discs. The, the, the little flexi, flexi things. Like the, some of that stuff, I'd get one of those things and I'd sometimes there'd be a great player on that and I'd be trying to work out how to do whatever they had, uh, you know, whatever they had. And I'd be picking up the needle and dropping it back at the start and playing it over and over and mm-hmm. you know, destroying that. And I don't know, I'd probably wrecked a couple of record players, mum and dad's as well, <laughs> uh, if truth be told. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, but trying to do that, um, it made me. I think it really benefited me as a as a player and as a person too, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. I had to be really determined to to if I wanted to do it. Yeah, I had to be able to, you know, focus and work hard and pay attention. And I think that really benefited me as a player as well. Sure, um, sure. Because as I went on, I found I had to learn songs very quickly. I had to be able to focus. I had to be able to pick up stuff quickly and respond musically to things. And um, that, I think, taught me a lot about uh, discipline and application. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, yeah, if I – while, you know, I said, uh, if, if all that information was available to me when I was a kid, uh, maybe I'd know so much more, but maybe I wouldn't have followed through either because it would have just been handed to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's, it's an interesting debate because there's um... – yeah. There's lots of young players these days who are fantastic, so they're obviously working hard. But there's the other the other side of it. It's hard to measure um, from our generation. So, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's I think that's thought. very true. Mm. Um, yeah, and there are some great young players around. Mm. Um, you know, um, did you hear about the the largest uh, uh, guitar playing? Uh, ensemble. Yeah, yeah, another no. record. Just just got knocked over a few weeks yeah. after yours. Yeah, also in Sydney. Yeah, I, I was actually part of that too. Oh, awesome. Uh, I went along for the day. So that yeah. was supporting the Australian Children's Music Foundation. Yeah, which was yeah. a fantastic day. Excellent. But they had the Sydney uh, Sydney Guitar Ch- Junior, Sydney Junior Guitar Championships on for a few hours before that. Yeah, I saw that the year before, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I can't remember this boy's name. He looked about six. Apparently, he was ten. <laughs> okay. uh, he had a Cole Clark dreadnought. Oh, um, it looked like as big as him. <coughs> and he came out, and he played um, a Jerry Reed song. Wow! And I went, man, a ten-year-old kid playing Jerry Reed. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. You know, and he he played so well. Uh, he played some Chet. He played some Jerry Reed. He played some Tommy stuff. Uh, he really had the whole thumb thing going. Um, I went, that's terrific. Now, he's obviously put a lot of effort into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, which you need to do. Like, he's, he's, you know, I hope he sticks with it. He's going to be a great player. Um, so you, you do get kids like that that just blow your mind and go, wow, they're so good. Um, but, you know, obviously they have to work at that too. Yeah, um, sure. Even if you have all the information presented to you, yep. it doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to follow through on it. That's it. That's ultimately, it. you've got to, the, the way you apply yourself to learning and, and the dedication you show really is what gets you somewhere. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, you know, I have way too many guitar videos and things like that, which I've purchased and never even looked at. <laughs> <laughs> if, if truth be told, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I get get emails all the time. Oh, this is on special, you know, like from uh, you know Truefire. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Like they have some great things, but when they have their five dollars specials, I'm a sucker for those. <laughs> oh, that looks really good. I'll buy that. Yeah. And then I, I might watch part of it and I just forget I've got it. So. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the downside with uh, with having everything so freely available as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. It's very easy to get too much information. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh, that's that's cool, man. That's cool. What's um And what are you up to these days? So you're gigging, you've got your duo with, with Angie and, and you're playing gigs. I see you yeah. do a bunch of um, product videos as well. Yeah, I um I do that. Um, so yeah, with Ange, we we probably do about 150 200 gigs a year. Wow, um, wow, that's awesome. Which is cool. Um, we just do cover stuff. You know, I, I've I've tried going down the 
uh, originals thing. Yeah. And my, my great love is instrumental music mm-hmm. as well, uh, especially fingerstyle. Um, you know, okay, as a player, um, um, that's probably the thing I'm best at, uh, I think, is, is the, the, the Tommy Emmanuel track and sort of stuff. Um, and, yeah, look, I, you know, um, I, I started getting a bit of notice with that uh, a while ago. Started mm-hmm. sort of feeling I was getting somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and there were some really good people I got to open for uh, and play with and everything else, which was good. And then some other stuff in life sort of came along. Um, and I had a, had some big stuff to deal with. So I, I lost my focus for a bit with all that. Um, and it's also really hard. You know, in Australia, I found at, at one stage, I used to play weddings almost every weekend, playing fingerstyle or classical guitar or things like that. And yeah, yeah. I used to play a lot of jazz and everything. It's very hard to play those sort of things anywhere now. Yeah. Um, you know, no one wants it. The clubs that used to I used to play around Sydney uh, or beyond, playing uh, you know playing fingerstyle. <laughs> Forget that now. Um, there's there's nowhere really to play that sort of thing, or, or it's very rare to find a find a venue that would even let me have a go at that. Sure. Um, which which is disappointing. That's the way things have gone. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I mostly we we just play covers, and a lot of what we focus on is people having a really good time and enjoying music, and and people coming together and having a laugh and a dance and a sing. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the great things of music in and of itself too. Um, so yeah, do that. Uh, I've, I've done all sorts of gigs um, as a player, everything from, you know, yeah, doing the solo guitar thing for a backyard wedding to played in, I don't know how many different tribute shows and mm-hmm. bands and uh, you know, just working with singers and done a lot of different studio things as well. Um, I'm sort of one of those guys. I've never been, never been a star, but I've always had constant work. Yeah. Um, and I'm really happy with that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I've gotten to play with some great people uh, and some 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 names, but I'm just as happy playing with my mates, you know, at the pub and having a good time too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do. I, I yeah, we do gigs, um, and I do some product videos too. Um, there's a few independent, uh, you know, luthiers that I, I um, do some work for. Okay. Where um, they'll contact me and say, "I've got a new guitar. Can you shoot a video for me?" Yeah, um, cool. I want it nice. for a, a product, so. Which is which is a lot of fun, um, and that's actually how I, I also know English music. Um, they'll call me when there's new pedal pedals and things like that. And say, or, or guitar, can you do a video for us? Oh, um, cool, man! So yeah, and that's that's I'm really appreciate getting to do that sort of stuff too. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, so that's kind of yeah. What I a lot of what I'm doing musically at the moment. Uh, I used to do some teaching, but I, I felt I needed to have a break from that. Sure. I mean, um, if you're gigging. As often as you are, that's that'll do it. Hey, <laughs> that's your week. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, look, to be honest, I absolutely love playing live, um, and I really don't mind too much what I play. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm not precious about things. You know, sure. I, and I don't think you can afford to be if you want to play regularly. If you um, want to make a living, absolutely. There, yeah. Yeah, there are things that I absolutely love about it, but about playing, and there are certain styles. Um, you know, I love, and I haven't haven't done this for a long time, but I love fifties jazz with um sort of you know some of the bebop stuff and and cool jazz from the Miles Davis stuff and things like that. And, oh yeah, cool. Uh, I love playing that sort of stuff or or some of the stuff that Kenny Burrell was doing in the in the fifties. Um, absolutely love playing some of that stuff and also some of the sixties soul jazz sort of thing with. Uh, Cannibal Adderley and those sort of guys. Oh, love yeah. That. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really hard to ever get to play that sort of stuff. And yeah, I, yeah, sure. that stuff's very special to me. And I will be I will be precious about that if I do play it. If I do get a chance, it has to be done you know, to where, where I'm satisfied with it, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. I don't want to just do it badly. Like I remember filling in with a jazz band once and the bass player, to be honest, the, <laughs> the bass player had heard of walking bass lines but really had no idea what that was. Okay. <laughs> so he used to just play chromatically up and down the neck. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'd be going, like, <laughs> you know, some of the songs I hadn't played before and I was just trying to play by ear, I'd go, oh, I'm so lost. Because <laughs> I'd be listening to him. He actually had phenomenal rhythm. Yeah. His, his feel for playing swing was amazing. <laughs> but it could be any note. Just the note stage. choice, yeah. And I'd go, 
how does this relate to what I think the court should be? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So things like that. Like I've seen a few guys that they, if 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 you know if I want to play jazz, I want to play with guys that will respect that sort of thing. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, rather than guys go, oh, that, that's good enough. But yeah. but you know, with with other things, uh, I, I like to like to play well. But I really just I really like the journey of playing with other people. Yeah, um, cool. And that's been the biggest thing I think. Uh, I love playing all the different people I've got to meet play with. It's been fantastic, um, and I feel really uh, really privileged to have met so many people and play with so many people of all sort of you know all levels and 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 all manner of players. Um, and I, I think because I decided I was going to you know, have a go at making a living out of it, I've always thought, yeah, look, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll fake it until I make it with some of these things. So some of the um, some of the biggest gigs I've done have been in the country scene. I'm not a country player at all. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've got yeah, I can do that. No yeah, worries. Yeah, yeah. And there's enough uh, with, with with some of the country stuff sounds so much like 70s rock now anyway. Sure, sure. I've gone yeah. Look, I can do that. No worries. And just sort of dial in a nice tone and pull out um, yeah, pull out something that's like a telly telly type guitar and yeah, uh, play it through a Vox and you go that's cool. Yeah, that's great. That works. <laughs> you know, and, and you can really just be a, a, a like a blues rock player, um, and, and that's great. And uh, that sort of worked. Um, I remember playing at a, I was playing actually at a country festival, and these really hardcore bluegrass guys invited me up on stage with them, mm-hmm. and I was just all at sea. I was like, no, no, no you don't want me up there. Oh man, no, get up with us, get up with us. And they they lived and breathed bluegrass. Wow. And um, I, I'd never really played anything bluegrass before. <laughs> so I just sort of tried doing some cheesy sort of uh, you know, cheesy Django, Django Reinhardt licks and stuff like that to get yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of, I got, got through it, but I knew that I knew I was really faking that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other things. So I've, I've gone, yeah, I can do that. And then I've just, you know, locked myself in my room and practice and practice and practice so I can get something that's at least approaching what they want. Sure, sure. With, you know, with the, the country slash country rock stuff or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pl- playing sort of more traditional country. Um, I've, 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 I've worked at that to the point where I go, yeah, look, I, I can get that. And I, I think I know, I know the instrument well enough and I know enough about different guitar tones to know how to pull up a sound that most people go, yeah, you're, you're playing that song and you're playing that style. Um, yeah. And I think that's, been, that's a big part of being a, you know, being a, a versatile musician. Is is knowing you well enough that you can you can slot in with anything because it's all just patterns and you know and notes at the end of the day really yeah yeah it's how yeah. you apply those things that makes a big difference yep and um, for, for for oh sorry oh I was gonna say just yeah hundred percent yeah as a working guitar player you're gonna you're gonna take the gigs and you're gonna throw yourself in there and if you love guitar which you obviously do you're gonna um, you're gonna try a lot of this stuff anyway and, and just bring your experience to different uh, different venues and different different opportunities. Yeah, and there's been some, I think with all of that, there's been some great guys that I've met that I never would have played with otherwise or never would have even met. You know, and beyond music, they're just wonderful people, which is a great thing too. And that's that's a big part of playing music for me is actually the journey you go on with other people. Yeah, yep, awesome. Um, I think that's really special. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the things that I love about playing jazz um, when it's right, that you're playing a piece of music that you will never play again and you're having this experience with other people that you'll never have again when you're improvising, obviously. Uh, and it can just be completely magical um, in that you're doing this once and that's it. Um, and if you have a real connection with those people and the friends as well, that makes it even better. Um, that's one of the things I love with that. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure, man. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Man, Scott, it's been awesome to, to talk through this. Not only the record, although that was so fascinating to get a behind the scenes look at, <laughs> at that but also um yeah just yourself as a musician and uh a great a great one at that so man thank you so much for your time today it's been really cool oh, thank you i really appreciate it no nah, cheers man thank you oh, thank um you, man. that's great is, is what's the best way for people to catch up with your gigs and all that kind of stuff oh probably our facebook page yeah um yeah, the duo is called Ange and the Doctor. I didn't name it. There's a story with that. Okay. I'm, I'm the second Doctor. Okay. <laughs> it was just easier for her to keep the name going. So, yeah, right. Uh, we, we, we have a, a Facebook page. It's probably the easiest thing. Okay, with cool. That. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if people are looking for gear demos or anything, they can just message me through there too. Okay, um, great. Yeah. So um, that's, yeah, that's probably the easiest thing. Okay. I've Sounds tried good. having a website, but... <laughs> Man, they're a lot of work to keep up to date. The, the... Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Facebook's just easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm with you. I'm and with you. everyone's on Facebook, so... Cool. Yeah. All right, that's awesome, man. Well, Scott Privet, thank you again, and uh, and all the best. Thank you very much, man. All right, there you go, Scotty Bruford. So good to meet him and talk through both the uh, the world record tilt and also his own gigs and things. And we'll keep an eye out for the Guinness verification process. And once we hear anything, we'll certainly let you know how that goes on the podcast. Also, we'll put up links for Musicians Making a Difference, Double MAD. That's the charity that Scotty was raising money for, over 10Ks worth, which is an incredible effort, plus all the awareness uh, that he would bring to that organization too, which is really cool. Also put up links to Scotty's Facebook stuff so you can check him out there. All right, thank you so much for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio or pretty much most other uh, podcast subscription services these days. We are on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check us out on uh, guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com. You can get to all of our episodes there as well. All right, my name is Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Bye now.